0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this, this series, this whole The Last Arrow series is going to be a doozy, man. We're all up here... Sniffling and stuff. This is gonna be this is gonna be something else. But hey, I am so glad that you are joining us today as we kick off uh, this series, Pastor Brenda's final series at Cornerstone. I'm going to be preaching this uh, first week for us, and then Pastor Brenda is going to be taking it from there. And I am so excited, so excited to hear from her. And I want you right now. Again, we're going to continue honoring her in the weeks to come too. But right now, I want you to post in the comments. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. Just post it in the comments. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. If you're a person who you never post in the comments, you always just log in and you watch. Today, make the one post that you ever make. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. I wanna see the chat flooded with thank yous to her for her life of ministry here at Cornerstone. Well, I am, I'm, I've been looking forward to preaching uh, this lead-off sermon for this series, The Last Era. As you just heard explained a little bit ago, we're talking about what it looks like to live your life to the full, to actually live it with purpose, uh, to give it everything you've got, to live it to the full. And uh, today we're going to be kicking this off. We're going to be looking at Second Kings. Uh, chapter 13, this is gonna be kind of uh, uh, the the lead verse uh, set of verses that we're gonna be using for this series. And what we're gonna be looking at, it's actually a conversation between uh, a prophet of God named Elisha, Uh, a prophet is kind of like God's representative here on earth. We're gonna be looking at Elisha talking to the current king, the guy who is the king of Israel, uh, a guy named Jehoash. Jehoash, that's a name for you, right? So we're gonna be looking at this conversation which picks up uh, starting in verse 14. We're gonna have the uh, uh, verses up here on the screen. You can follow along. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. So Elisha, at this point in his life, he's about an 80-year-old man. That's what we know from history. He's probably in his 80s. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he had uh, died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and he wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And what he means by that, this is a statement of respect and a statement of honor. He is acknowledging, this is the king of Israel, acknowledging that, you know what, our strength, our power, it's not coming from me. It's not coming from the king. It's coming from God. It's coming from God. And so he goes to Elisha and he sees Elisha and he says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, the strength of Israel, the building block of Israel, the guiding light of Israel, the person who has been here and served our nation for 80 years as prophet of God. So he's bestowing all this honor and respect on him. And this is what Elisha says back to him. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands, representing God putting his will and his favor on the king. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, which is a a neighboring country that was at war with the nation of Israel. So Elisha is promising, hey, you're gonna see victory over Aram. Elisha declared, You will completely destroy the Armorians at Aphek. Then he said to him, Take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, Strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. So he grabs the arrows, right? Elisha tells him, Here, take these arrows, uh, strike the ground three times with them. So he fires off three arrows, and then he stops. The man of God, Elisha, was angry with him, which seems like a, whoa, what's going on here? Why is he angry? The man of God, Elisha, was angry with him. He was angry with the king. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha told the king to strike the ground, to shoot his arrows. The king fired off one, he fired off two, he fired off three, and then he held back. And then he held back. Real quick, let's bow our heads and let's pray together, all right? Father God, this word today, I know it's an important one, and I don't want to screw it up. Guide my words, guide everything I say today that people would not be hearing Pastor Jacob, but they, they would be hearing you. They'd be hearing a word from you today, something that would encourage them and inspire them to live life to the full. And God, I ask that you would go out to every person who is hearing my voice right now, that they would be able to put aside any distractions or anything that is right now competing for their attention, that other tab that they got opened that they're thinking about reading right now, that they would put all those things to the side for these next couple of minutes so they can hear a word from you and allow it to transform their lives We love you, Father, and we believe you for those things. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the king held back. The king held back. Um, I have held back before. We were at a a birthday party for my daughter, Eden. I think she was turning five. It was either her fifth or fourth birthday. But um, we were doing it at a place called Amazon. Has anyone ever heard of Amazon before? Yeah. It's out on Route 18 uh, in Medina. And so we were going to Amazon. It's kind of like a think Chuck E. Cheese meets the rainforest, it's like, it's kind of what it is, right? So we were meeting there for her birthday party and it was fun, we had a, a, a real good time. It was a Moana theme, right? So it was really fun, Eden loved it. Um, I loved it because there's an arcade, right? And so I'm, I'm all about that. So I went and got tokens and I was playing, you know, like the football game and basketball and, you know, just a bunch of different games. I, I'm a big kid at heart, so I love, love, love the arcade. Um, and we're getting closer to like closing time for the birthday party. And I'm like remembering, hey, you're actually a parent. You actually have responsibilities to do. Like you can't just be hanging out in the arcade the whole time. And so I've got a bunch of Amazon tokens in my pocket. uh, And I'm realizing like, yeah, I probably should like help clean up. I should probably grab some stuff, do some actual parent uh, responsibilities here. So I think to myself, but I've still got these tokens. Why don't I, you know what, next time. I'll use them next time. Next time we come here, I'll I'll use them. I've got some tokens left over. I'll just, I'll hold these tokens back for now. I'll go do what I need to do. And then next time we come back, uh, I'll be able to use them. A month and a half later, Amazon shut down permanently. (laughs) They they shut down. They They went out of business. And now I've got like about 12 Amazon tokens and I can't do Nothing with them. I can't do nothing. I tried scratching off the E at the end to see if Amazon would take it. They wouldn't take it. They said, who are you? Are you crazy? What are you doing? So I've just got these tokens now that I held back, right? I didn't fire them off. I didn't get them out there. I held them back, and now I'm just kind of stuck with them. And I just wonder, have you ever held back? Is there something you held back before? I'm sure you have, because you're, you're a person like me. Maybe, you know, you've, you've held back in relationships, Right? We have people who've, I, I've been there before, you held back in relationships. Um, maybe you've, you've never really taken the plunge in relationships or like friendships. You kind of keep people at an arm's distance. You don't really go the full way. So you you, you know—you kind of hold back. You don't really go all the way. Um, maybe it's at work. I, I know this is me a lot, especially whenever I was at Allstate. Um, you're at work and you're in a meeting and like you're, you've got ideas. You've, you've got things that you think may work. And you're about to say it and you're like, ah, next time. Next meeting, I'll say something. Next meeting, I'll say something. And then the next meeting comes, and you hold back again, and you hold back, and you just you hold on to these ideas, you hold on to your thoughts, and you never share them. You hold back. Maybe you're in school, and you know you're, you're a nice guy, but there's there's some other kids around, or there's some other teenagers, and they're kind of like they're just socially awkward, <laughs> to put it kindly right. They're just kind of socially awkward, and, and you know you should befriend them. You know so you kind of step out of your comfort zone to just see how they're doing and include them with, with your own friends and your own buddies, but you hold back. You hold back. You just, don't, you just don't take that step. You just don't go any further. If that's you, if you've done any of those things, you've held back anyway. why don't you put it in the chat right now? Let's just, let's own up to it. I've held back. I've held back. I've held back. I have unused tokens in my pocket because I held back. I, just like King Jehoash, I have held back in life. Now, all of those things, they can be kind of debilitating, especially in relationships if we hold back in certain areas. But uh, uh, none of them will, like, ruin your life, right? None of them will ruin your life. You can be a good person and still hold back in a lot of areas. Um, But do you hold back in your relationship with God? Do you hold back in your relationship with God? Because that is debilitating, that will ruin your life. If you're, if, if you're taking your approach to God and there are areas where you are holding back, where you're saying, yeah, I'll fire off some arrows, but then I'm gonna hold off on the rest. I'm gonna save some more arrows. I'm not gonna fire off all my tokens. I'm gonna save some. I am holding back. Have you held back from God? Have you held back in your relationship with him and your walk with him? Have you held back from the life you know he's calling you to? Have you held back from the purpose you know he has implanted in your heart? Are you holding back at all? I know a lot of us have been there. I know a lot of us have been there. If we're being real with ourselves, if we're being honest with ourselves, we can think of some times right now when we have held back because we have relationships and we have family and we have friends who don't know anything about Jesus who don't really care about him, and we hold back because we're like, well, man, if I would ever say anything, how, it could change the relationship, it could change the whole dynamic. And so, I just hope they'll find Jesus through osmosis. Like I'll just, like I'll just give the vibe of Jesus off to people that they'll become radically saved, and I never even really have to say His name. Like uh, that would be fantastic because. What if I bring them up? What if I bring up spiritual stuff and, and they shy away or it changes our relationship and so we hold back? We hold back from ending a relationship. We hold back from cutting a tie where we know the tie needs to be cut because we're afraid of what will happen. We, We held, man, finances. Can I get an amen? We hold back on our finances time and time because we're like, well, God, I want to trust you. I want to believe your word. I I know what your word says that I can, uh, you know, I can trust you and I can know that you'll see me through. But man, I look at my budget and I look at giving and I look at tithing and I look at generosity and I need to hold back. (laughs) Have you held back? If you're a human, you got a pulse, you have blood pumping through your veins. You've held back. We all have. We have all held back in our relationship with God at some point. We are just like the king, King Jehoash. We hold back, and we hold back for a whole lot of different reasons, don't we? We got a whole lot of reasons. We have a a Rolodex of reasons that we can go through of why why we hold back, why we don't shoot off all of our arrows, why we don't go the full way. Uh, We're afraid of looking stupid, right? That's a reason, right? We, we don't go all in because we're afraid of how we'll look in areas. Some of us, and I know this is a smaller one, some of us, when it comes to worship, we hold back. Like, we, we feel God moving, and, you know, we're wanting to sing, we're wanting to raise our hands, wanting to close our eyes, but we're like, am I going to look stupid? So we just kind of, how great is our God. We don't really do anything. Like, we don't do any of that because we're like, am I going to look stupid? So we hold back, we hold back. Obviously, that's, that's, that's a small one, but we hold back in that area. We hold back when it comes to our relationships. We hold back because we're like, well, if I do make that change, uh, what if? What, what if um, I, I make the change in my relationships and God doesn't give me a new friend group to hang out with? I, I hear that one all the time. Like, man, I know I need to change. I know I need to uh, change the group that I'm around that I can still love my current friend group, but I can't have them be the primary influences in my life, but... What if I don't hold back? What if I change my friend group, but I don't have friends to come in? <laughs> like, what, what if I'm just this friendless guy now who's like, well, I used to hang out with my buddies and do all this kind of stuff on Friday night, and now I'm just home alone, like just chilling here. Like, what if? So we hold back. Honestly, if we really just get down to the root of it, if we get down to this whole idea of just holding things back, especially in our relationship with God, this is really the key reason that we hold ourselves back. I'm afraid if I don't hold back, I won't be held up. I'm afraid, God, if if I can just be real with you, God, I'm afraid if I don't hold back, if I don't keep some arrows in my quiver, if I don't keep some of my tokens to myself, I'm afraid if I don't hold back, are you really gonna hold me up? Like when I jump, am I really gonna be okay? Like whenever I cut off that friend group and I try to do things different, am I gonna have friends to replace them? Like am I gonna have new influences in my life? Like if I really do trust you with my finances, God, are my budget, is it gonna work out? Am I gonna be able to pay the bills? We are afraid. If I do not hold back God, are you truly, really going to hold me up? That's a scary feeling. It's a scary feeling to to jump and not know if you're gonna be held up, right? That's terrifying. I remember, I could remember with perfect clarity whenever I told my wife that I loved her for the first time. <laughs> that was an experience, and this is why. Let me tell you what happened. So we've been, <laughs> we've, <laughs> We were dating for about three months. We're about three months in, and I, like I know, I just know I love her. Like I'm like she's great, she's awesome, she loves Jesus, she loves my family, we get together like really well. Yeah, not bad to look at. She's beautiful, right? Like all this different stuff. I'm like, yeah, I love her. I love her, and so I'm gonna tell her. And so I'm obviously I'm nervous as so I'll get out. I'm like, <laughs> like we're we're watching TV, and I'm like, oh, how's it going? Hey? Like I'm you know I'm like how do I how do you just bring that up in a conversation? By the way, I love you. Like it's. <laughs> It's kind of weird. So eventually, I find a way to, like, work it in. And I'm like, so, Jessica, like, I want to tell you something. I love you. I love you. You want to know what her response was? Thank you. (laughs) That was it. Like, if you're waiting for me to add something else, that's what she said. She said... Oh, thank you. She had the same response to me saying, I love you, that she did to the waitress who told her she had pretty nails. Like, oh, thanks. Like, appreciate it. Thank you. And so I'm like, I'm just sitting there after she says thank you. And I'm like, well, you're welcome. Uh, all right. If you don't, I know. I'm like, well, if you don't mind, I'm going to go stand in traffic for a little while now. So have a good night. Right. So eventually later that night, she tells me, she's like, look, I love you too. I just didn't want you to feel like I was only saying it because you said it and it was awkward. And I'm like, well, thank you for clarifying because I kind of felt like I was just out there, right? Like (laughs) that was an awful feeling for about the next hour until she clarified. And I think about that and I'm like, that's what it feels like to take that jump to not hold anything back. And you're like, here we go. And you're like, "Are you gonna <laughs> you gonna catch me like or am I just gonna fall and look like an idiot and that's 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 kind of why it's so terrifying, right That feeling that I had for the next hour where I'm like Man, this is uncomfortable. Man, this is gonna change things. Man, like, oh my gosh, because she doesn't feel the same way. That is the feeling we have whenever we put ourselves out there in a relationship and we put ourselves out there with our finances when it comes to God, when we put ourselves out there, when it comes to work, if we're like, well, man, my, my current job, it doesn't allow me to, to worship and it doesn't allow me to like really get involved with a church community. And so I, I know I need to take that step. I know I need to fire off that arrow and make a, a bold step and maybe find a new job. But God, are you gonna catch me? God, if I don't hold back, are you going to hold me up? Are you really gonna catch me? That's just like the king that we were reading about, King Jehoash. Man, he was scared. He was scared because he was seeing right before his eyes the power of God leave his nation. He's seeing Elisha, this prophet, this man who has performed miracles, who was God's representative here on earth. He's seeing him leave and he's going, okay, okay. Like, am I gonna be all right? (laughs) Like, is our nation gonna be okay? God, are you gonna hold me up if I do go into battle against the the nation of Aram? If I do go into battle, am I gonna see victory? Are we gonna be annihilated because you're not here anymore? Are you really going to hold me up if I fire off these arrows? Fear is a terrifying thing. (laughs) Fear is a terrifying way. And this is the thing about fear too. It's a very powerful way to motivate people, but man, it's a terrible way to live. It's a terrible way to live. It's a great motivator, but man, it will kill you if you try to live your life based out of fear. And if we're not careful, what's gonna happen is that fear will hold us back. It will hold us back from God's best for our life. It will hold us back. Fear is a powerful way to motivate, but it's a terrible way to live. And so what will happen is we'll get to the end of our life and we will have a pocket full of Amazon Coins, right that's what will happen because we're scared to take a step we're scared to unload all of them we're scared of what's going to happen of the what if and the what if and we what if ourselves to death we what if we what if ourselves to mediocrity to just living a very safe life we cannot allow that to happen fear is a terrible terrible way to live so sure I mean, you can live your life by thanking God. What if, what if I don't hold back and you don't hold me up? You can live your life out of that fear-based mentality all you want. It's not going to get you anywhere. I think we need to forget fear. <laughs> I, I Put that in the chat. I'm forgetting fear. I am forgetting fear. I'm not going to live by a, well, God, will you hold me up? God, would you hold me up? I'm not going to live that way. I'm, I'm going to start living as if, you know what, God, what if I just took every step as if you will hold me up? What if I fired off every arrow as if they will all hit their mark? Like, what if I start living that way? How different would things look in my life? What if I shoot all my arrows? What if I live my life with, with no retreats, no reserves, no regrets? What if I really go full bore into life and into the life that you have asked me to do, God? What if I do that, if I hold nothing back? You won't be disappointed, I can tell you that much. You won't be disappointed. What will be disappointing is if you get to the end of your life and you have a quiver full of arrows and a pocket full of Amazon tokens, that will be disappointing. Because you know what? You know what a quiver full of arrows is? It's empty. That is an empty life. A life void of, it's devoid of any meaning. It has no purpose. Just apathetic, unique, no mark on the people around you. And the moment you take your last breath is the moment that your impact ceases to be. Do you want that? I don't, I do not want that. I want my life to outlive me. I want my impact to outlive me. I wanna make a difference for the kingdom of God and we're not gonna do that by living out of a fear-based mentality. We have got to shoot our arrows. Gotta shoot our arrows, but I get it. It is scary because you don't know if you will get held up. You don't know if God's gonna catch you. You don't know if that's going to happen. I get how that's scary. I get how that can be terrifying because you don't know what's coming. Like I'm totally on board with that. And I I understand that. But that's part of what makes the Christian life and following God with like reckless abandon, that's what makes it so fun. (laughs) You don't know what's gonna happen. You just don't know. You have no idea what adventure God's gonna take you on. You have no idea what he's going to do with your life. You have no clue. The only thing you can know is it's gonna be better than you would imagine. That's the only thing that you can know for certain is that what God has in store for you is gonna be better than anything that you could have imagined or drawn up on your own. It's gonna be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Put that in the chat. It's gonna be worth it. It's going to be worth it if you shoot all your arrows, you live your life that way. And this is, this is really the, the essence of that idea is you and I, we just have no idea what's at stake. We really don't. We have no idea what or who is at stake when it comes to our decision to either hold back or to shoot our arrows. To either hold back with the, the things that God has given us to steward our, our, our time, our talent, our treasure. If we're gonna hold back because we're afraid of what happens if we shoot it off, Right? We have no idea what's hanging in the balance of that decision to hold back or to shoot our arrows. It could be a what, it could be a who. You don't know, I don't know. We have no clue what is hanging in the balance right now of that decision. It's that important, it is that important. What is hanging in the balance right now of your decision to hold back or to shoot? We talked about it a few weeks ago during our wisdom series, Uh, Brenda and Charlie, They had a decision to make to come to Akron or not. They came to Akron. They stepped out in faith. They they believed God. They said, God, we don't know why you're calling us here. We, We thought we were gonna be in Cincinnati, but you're calling us to this different place. We don't know what it's gonna look like. We don't know what's gonna happen. And through that, through that step of faith, through them firing off their arrows, God blessed them in immeasurable ways, in huge ways, and blessed us as a church family for decades now of being under their leadership, all because they decided, to shoot their arrows. Now here in closing, I want us to spend the rest of our time looking at another person who decided to shoot every arrow, not only every arrow he was given, every arrow he could get his hands on, all right? We're gonna be looking at the Apostle Paul here in a moment. The Apostle Paul was just an absolutely amazing man, an incredible man of God, wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament. He didn't know he was writing it at the time. All he knew was he was writing letters to churches that he had founded, or other churches in the area, that's all he knew. He was just being faithful to what God called him to do. And here he ended up writing two thirds uh, of our New Testament. Uh, The Apostle Paul, man, he just, an incredible, incredible person. And I want us to look at what he wrote here in just a second, and then his example of living a life uh, without abandon, just firing off every arrow that God had given him. So this is what Paul says. He is saying farewell to the elders at a church uh, in Ephesus. So it's this uh, city, there's this church there, and this is his goodbye farewell. This is what he says in Acts 20, uh, verses 22 through 24. Paul says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He had no idea what was coming up. He could be killed for all he knew. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So again, you wanna talk about being afraid to shoot off all your arrows because you're wondering, well, what will happen? Well, what if? What if I trust God with my financial arrow and I miss the mark? What happens if I trust God with my relationship arrow and I miss the mark? Paul saying, look, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what will happen. We, we put stuff on people in the Bible that's just so ridiculous. We think, oh, well, Paul was able to take these steps because he knew what was gonna happen, and he knew that. He had no idea. We see him say, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. I have no idea what's gonna happen to me there. In fact, the only thing I do know... The only thing I have been promised is that there is prison and hardships in my future. That's it. Like, yeah, we, like that sounds amazing, right? It sounds great. That's the only thing he knew for certain. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim My only aim as I shoot my arrows, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's it, that's it. That is my entire aim. I don't know what's gonna happen, I know that there's gonna be hard times. There's gonna be tough times ahead. The only thing I know is that I am taking every arrow God gives me, every ounce of my strength and my time here to fulfill the purpose that he has put in my heart. That's it. That's it. That is my only aim And shoot arrows, he did. (laughs) That dude shot arrows all over the Mediterranean Sea, all over that area. He started churches everywhere. He wrote letters to these churches. He traveled to them. He encouraged them. And not just that, he modeled the life of Jesus through his life, through his life. He's the one who famously wrote, hey, follow me as I follow Christ, you wanna know what a Christian looks like? You wanna know what that example looks like? Follow me, follow my lead as I follow Christ. He preached, he wrote, he traveled. Everything that God asked Paul to do, he did. No holding back, no arrow left unshot. Think about that. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I want us to ask now about Paul what I asked us to ask about ourselves. Who or what hung in the balance of his decision to shoot all of the arrows that God gave him? Who or what hung in the balance? I want us to bring this up. This is gonna look kind of weird because it's just a list of names, but I really we're gonna take a little bit of a history lesson here in closing in our last minutes together. I want you to follow this with me, all right? So we have the Apostle Paul. This amazing man, this guy who used to be Saul of Tarsus, he was a Pharisee who converted to Christianity after Jesus appeared to him, and Paul realized, hey, the, the guy I've been persecuting, Jesus and his followers, this, he's actually for real. Like, this thing is legit. He actually did rise from the dead. He is the son of God. So he converts, starts churches all over the place. He travels all over the Mediterranean area, including Greece. This, the area of Greece, uh, he travels to numerous cities there. One of the big ones that Paul is in, and we can read about this in Acts, he goes to the city of Athens. He's in Athens, Greece. He preaches there. They start churches in that area. And so Christianity, which again, we, we're just, we live in a Christianized world where we just assume all this stuff. Before Paul went there, they had never heard the name Jesus, They didn't know who he was. They'd never heard this. And so Paul introduces the concept of God as Jesus, of Jesus Christ, starts churches in Greece. So then from Greece, we have this man named Clement, who he comes around years after Paul has lived, has been killed. Uh, Clement comes uh, up, and he actually ended up becoming a church father. Like he's one of the uh, earliest theologians in the Christian faith is Clement, and Clement was born in the city of Athens, Greece, and the whole reason he became a Christian is because Christianity was in Greece to start with because of Paul, right? So the whole reason Clement even becomes a Christian is because of Paul's work. So Clement, he, he writes about God, he writes about Jesus, he writes about theology, and his writings would inspire this man, Arnobius. This guy was also an early church father who also, like Clement, ended up writing about Jesus, uh, writing about theology, writing about God, what the Christian life looks like. Uh, so, so Arnobius, he writes about Jesus, and then he ends up having a bunch of different students, right? He's, he's kind of a theologian. He's got students. He's teaching people. One of his students, Lactantius, this guy, he ends up becoming one of the uh, biggest, like, councils on spiritual matters to the most powerful man in the world, Emperor Constantine, Emperor Constantine of Rome. So Emperor Constantine of Rome, he's getting ready to go out to a battle before he goes out to war. Uh, him and his soldiers, they see a, a sign in the sky. He, Constantine described it as he saw a, a cross in the sky with the words, by this conquer, written by it. So he goes to battle and he tells all of his men, hey, whatever we just saw, put that on your shield. <laughs> put that on your shield. It says by this conquer, so that's what we're gonna do. So they do, sure enough, they go out, they win the battle, and whenever he gets back, Eusebius, who's a historian, he tells us that Constantine inquired, what, what God was that that said that? What, what, what symbol is that for? And that Constantine asked Lactatius, asked him, I think I'm, these words, you have to give me grace up here, right? <laughs> asked him and asked other spiritual advisors what God that was. And he was able to point Constantine to the fact that, hey, this is describing, that's, that's the cross of Jesus of Nazareth. He is, it told him all about Christianity, told him about Jesus, who he is, that he was the son of God, that he came, lived a perfect life. Constantine ends up converting to Christianity. He converts to Christianity. And not just that, he makes Christianity the official religion of Rome. The Roman Empire, the empire that tried to squash Christianity, that had Christians uh, killed by by wild animals, they had Christians, the Emperor Nero, what he would do, he would take Christians, cover them in oil, tie them to a, a pole, and light them on fire to light his gardens at night. That's how the Roman Empire treated Christians. 300 years later, Christianity becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. Crazy, only God only God. And so Rome then over the next hundreds and hundreds of years starts to conquer more and more area uh, of what we now now call Europe, uh, the country or the continent of Europe. Uh, And even though Rome eventually fell, the Roman Empire fell, the impact of Rome, the cultural impact, the ideas and ideals of Rome far outlived the Roman Empire and they influenced Europe all the way up into the 1300s, 1400s, and 1500s. When a group of people called the Puritans were being persecuted for trying to follow Jesus and trying to follow God in the way that they saw the Bible explicitly point out. And so you know what they did? They said, well, we're peacing out, like we're leaving Europe, (laughs) this whole religious persecution thing, we can't put up with this anymore. So they left. They fled Europe, the Puritans fled, and they came to the Americas. They came to the Americas, they started having families here, they started building communities here, and eventually the Puritans had a huge impact on the United States, on our country, on our ideals, on our culture, and regardless of all of the the flaws that we have as a country, some of the great things we have, like we do have a history of Judeo-Christian values and morality, that's because of the Puritans coming to the Americas and setting that up. That's why even the most unchurched person in the United States has an idea of who God is, has an idea of who Jesus is and what he claims to be. It's why there's churches all over the place. It's why you right now are sitting, if, if you're one of our uh, watchers here in the US, you're sitting in the United States watching a pastor record this sermon from the United States and you're hearing me from the United States read these words from Paul. And now, Compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, the only aim I have is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And now think about it. What hung in the balance? You did. Everyone in this room hung in the balance. All of us. Everyone here. Everyone who is, who is here, who is in the United States, and not just here, all across the world. We are impacted because Paul decided to live his life without abandon. He decided to shoot every arrow that God gave him, every bit of his time, every bit of his talent, every bit of his treasure, everything went to testifying to the good news of God's grace. And that affected Greece, which affected Clement, which affected Arnobius, all the way up to us. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. None, none of us do. We have no idea what hangs in the balance of us deciding to hold back or to shoot the arrows that God has given us. So with that in mind, for God's sake, shoot. Yes. Shoot. Yes. Whatever arrows he has given you, whatever talents he has given you, whatever money and financial situation he has given you, whatever time he has given you, use it. Yes. Use it. Don't allow fear to keep you from taking steps forward when you know God is calling you to that. Don't allow fear to rule and to dictate your life. We see from a firsthand example the the literal world, not His world, the world, for 2,000 years was changed because the Apostle Paul decided, I'm going to shoot every arrow I have. I'm not gonna hold anything back. I don't care if I don't know what's coming. I'm still gonna shoot. I don't care if I know there are hard times coming up. I'm still gonna shoot. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. The only thing I care about is following what God has called on my life to do. That is my only aim, following him. I want that for you. I want that for you. I want you to know what it is like to live a life that holds nothing back. I want you to get to the end of your life, the end of your life, and to be able to have a pocket that doesn't have any Amazon tokens in it. (laughs) You used them all up. Uh, You have an empty quiver. Right? You've shot every arrow off. That is a life that will matter. That's a life that will outlive you. That is impact that will outlive you. It is an impact that will affect not just you, but the people around you, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your world. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. Paul just thought he was Paul thought he was just writing a letter to a church, and here we are thousands of years later, getting his words tattooed on our bodies. (laughs) Here we are getting his words framed around our house. Here we are learning about Jesus Christ because of his words. He had no idea what hung in the balance. He just shot his arrows. I'm gonna pray with you right now. If you are making that commitment today, I want you to bow your head and let's pray together, all right? Heavenly Father, we... Thank you for the arrows that you have given us. All of our arrows may look different. It may be the place that we were born in. It may be our position in life. It may be our finances. It may be the talents that you've given us with. It may be the the family that you've blessed us with. All of us come into this life, even the least of us. We are armed with arrows things that you have given us that we can choose to either use to advance your cause, to advance your kingdom, or we can hold back. We can be afraid of the what ifs of life. We can be afraid of what will happen if I take that step of faith. What will happen if I fire off that arrow? What if, what if I miss? God, what if I don't hold back and you don't hold me up? Heavenly Father, don't let that be us. Help us to, with reckless abandon, fire off every arrow you've given us. For us to live our life, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. So that we can get to the end of our life with empty pockets and empty quivers saying, God, we did it all. (laughs) Everything you asked, we did. Every move you told me to make, I made it, God. Because that way, we know that we will live a life that will outlive ourselves, that will have purpose, that will have meaning, and will ultimately point more people to you. Help us to do that, God. Help us to do that on the days it doesn't feel so easy, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, today, I also want to pray, I feel you prompting me right now, I want to pray for anyone who is held back from you where it really matters, and that's making you Lord of their life. I know there's at least someone out there listening to me right now who has been holding back their arrows in that area. God, I'm asking today that you would warm their heart, that they would see their need for you and that they would decide to take that step of faith, that they would trust you to hold them up, that they would believe you are who you say you are. They may not know what the future holds, just like Paul said, they don't need to. They know who holds the future, you. That's what matters. Be with them, God, and help us to be your church and to surround them and to love them and to welcome them in with open arms. Father, we love you so much. Help today's word to infect every part of our life so it's not just a sermon we heard one day on an August of 2020, but it's something that actually changes us fundamentally. We love you so much, Father. Thank you for being so good to us. We pray all of this in your name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you just made a commitment to Jesus or you made a a recommitment to Jesus, let us know about it. I'm not kidding. Let us know about. It. We want to celebrate with you, and like I just prayed, we want to gather around you as your church and help you walk uh, this new life together. Show you what it means to follow Jesus, what it actually looks like with flesh on. So please connect with us at Journey Starting Point so we can help you start that journey uh, and help you take your next steps. Uh, man, again, I, we say this every week, but it's because we have no idea when we'll be meeting again. We don't know, so we want to make sure stay connected with the church. Follow us on our social accounts. Make sure you stay up to date. Uh, We'll be posting any updates on there, so make sure you're following us online. Uh, Also, be thinking of ways that you can get integrated back in once we do start meeting in person again, how you can volunteer, how you can uh, get back into the swing of things. Because again, we're not sure when it's going to happen. We know it is going to happen eventually, right? It's going to happen eventually. So be uh, preparing and planning for that. Thank you again so much for being here and for worshiping with us. Make sure you are back here next week as we continue this series. You can now receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and King forever, be with you this day and every day. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.